This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 118. And the quote of the day is from Bruce Lee on growth, who said, Growth is constant. Man is constantly growing, and when he is bound by a set of patterns or way of doing things, that's when he stops growing. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast, and this session is brought to you by DW Drums. And as you know, I've been playing DW Drums for years, and not only because they make great handcrafted drums here in the U.S., but also because they support and foster drumming initiatives like this podcast all over the world. Be sure to check them out at dwdrums.com. Now, the interview that I have today is a little bit different than normal interviews that I do, and this interview is with Mike Miller, who is re- he's actually retiring. He's a managing director at Vanguard Investment Company, which is one of the biggest investment companies in the world. And I'm sure that you're thinking, how does this tie in? How does a managing director tie in with the drummer's resource? But as all of you know, this the drummer's resource is not just about drumming. It's about the community of drummers being better at anything that we can be better at, whether it be drumming, being a better person, losing 20 pounds, getting a new job, developing a new habit, anything that makes you better, makes you successful in life. That's what I'm really focused about. And it just so happens that we're all drummers. So we all have that common thread and success leaves clues. And Rather than just looking at drummers and how they succeed, I look at everybody. I look at authors. I look at musicians. I look at actors. I look at people who worked in the investment, you know, in the investment field for years, or anyone who has success. I want to learn them and study them to see what they did. So whatever it is that you're trying to do out there, take some of the principles that we talk about in this podcast and apply them to your life because you may not be want to be a professional drummer. You you know you may already be a professional drummer and want to in, improve on. On something else in your life. So that's why I thought that this interview would be really great. And I know Mike personally, I've known him for years. Um, and it's, so it was really special for me to have him on the podcast, but he serves up a lot of great information about success, about his story career. I mean, he's been a lawyer. He's worked in the investment, in the investment industry. He nearly lost his son in a, fa- in a, in a nearly fatal accident. So he talks about recovering from that and, and really pushing forward with life. So really, really good nuggets of information in there that you can apply to your own life. So that's how this ties in. And I'm going to be doing more of these interviews only on Thursdays. Uh, They're not going to interfere with the Monday interviews, but I would love to get your feedback on it to know whether you like these types of interviews. I already had Mike Vacanti on here. So he was a health, he was a health guy talking about fitness for drummers and things like that. And I want to, want to be hipping you guys to some some different people other than drummers that have had success in different fields and things like that to help you improve in any way that you see fit. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff, let me know. Shoot me an email, nick at drummersresource.com. Shoot me a message on Twitter or on Facebook or anything like that. And just let me know because I'd love to hear your opinions. And let us get into this interview with Mr. Mike Miller. Here we go. Mike, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you being on the show. Well, I'm happy to uh, be able to do this. I hope it's helpful. I, I think it will be for a lot of people. And for, for the listeners out there who don't know who you are, I always like to get the backstory of my guests. So just tell the guests who you are and what you do. So my name is Mike Miller. 
I'm a managing director at Vanguard, which is a large mutual fund company based outside Philadelphia. Uh, we've been in business um, since 1975. We're the world's largest mutual fund company. We have about $3.1 trillion in assets under management here in the U.S. and about $3.5 trillion in all the assets that we manage worldwide, including in the U.S. When I started in uh, 1996, it was not my first career. I was uh, an attorney, came out of law school at the University of Virginia, practiced law in the Washington, D.C. area, and then eventually left my law practice and went to a troubled client and did a turnaround up in New York City, which took a few years of my life, um, probably in terms of stress. It was more than a few years of my life, but chronologically a few years of my life. When I finished doing that, it was about 1994, and I decided that I did not want to go back to practicing law. I'd gotten a taste for the business side of things, and I started my own little broker-dealer up in New York, did that for a couple of years, and in the first quarter, early 1996, Jack Brennan was the new CEO at Vanguard. He was looking to bring in someone from the outside to join his senior staff, and I was very, very fortunate that he happened to know people that knew me, and my name was mentioned, and when I met with Jack, chemistry was good, and I came here June 3rd, 1996, as managing director on Jack's senior management team, and I've been here ever since. Hmm. And you're also retiring in a few days as well. Retiring uh, at the end of this week, so July 17th, I will be uh, looking for new adventures and, and hanging up my single and Basically, I've had a wonderful career as an attorney. The turnaround was an experience which was, in some respects, uh, helped make me who I am today. Uh, Starting my own little firm for a couple of years taught me a little bit about how to be an entrepreneur. Uh, but really, the highlight of my career was clearly coming to Vanguard 19-plus years ago and having the privilege of working here and seeing this company grow and, and thrive and succeed and just to give you a sense of the relevance, when I started June 3rd, 1996, we were $200 billion in total assets under management. We had nothing outside the U.S. And as I said today, we're $3.5 trillion. Uh, $3.1 trillion of that's in the U.S., so remarkable growth here in the U.S., but also pretty good growth outside the U.S. And all that has happened really over the last 19 years. That is that is absolutely amazing. And now as the listeners are sitting here, they're probably thinking, all right, this is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, and we have a managing director from Vanguard Investment Company on here, so what's the tie-in? But the, the podcast is all about inspiring and motivating and educating drummers for whatever they want to pursue in life, because not all drummers are going to be professional drummers. Uh, they may, you know, they may have a day job or they may want to, they may want to lose 20 pounds or they may want to be the, the next managing director at Vanguard. And I think that no matter what you want to do in life, there are certain success principles that everyone seems to follow. And there are habits and there's rituals that successful people do. And I put you in that category of successful people. So I would love to hear your take on success, because everybody has the same same definition for failure. It's not achieving your goals, but everyone has a different a different definition for success. So what's your definition of success? Well, I think you're absolutely right. Everyone will have their own definition. I mean, it may be for uh, a young mother to have children and, and raise a family uh, that she can be proud of someday for someone uh, in my position, it was always in my 
earlier years. It was to join a respectable uh, national law firm, which I did in Washington, D.C., and become a partner of the firm, which I did in 1985. And I, to be honest, I thought at that point I had achieved my main goal in life by becoming a partner in the law firm. And then life sometimes takes strange twists and turns. And in the late 80s, I was representing a troubled client, and things went from bad to worse. And the next thing you know, there were so many regulatory and legal problems that I was asked to resign my partnership and go do a turnaround for this broker-dealer based in New York, which after much much, uh, debate and discussion with my wife, I decided to do because, frankly, I think it would have gnawed at me to have not tried. Mm-hmm. And so I gave up that partnership in my law firm, which was my life's dream. And I went off to New York and left my wife and two young boys behind because this was going to be a full-time seven days a week. I thought six months to a year turned out to be three and a half years. Wow. So I didn't get home often in, in that period of time, and I've had a wonderful wife for 40 years now. So. She's been very supportive, and she allowed me to do that. And we eventually did keep the firm in business, and and I decided I was ready for my next challenge. And as I said, that that turned out to be starting my own little broker-dealer, which, you know, after two years, we were just beginning to make a little bit of money. Um, and that's pretty good for starting a firm from scratch, but it was still a little bitty player in the financial services industry. And when I got the phone call from Jack Brennan saying, let's get together. I hear you may be somebody that should be working for me at Vanguard. Uh, that was the break of a lifetime. Hmm. And, you know, it ended up being the job of my dreams. So, you know, goals and success, I think sometimes you, you have them as a, a, a young child. I, my, I always thought being a lawyer was what I wanted to do and becoming a partner was my goal in life. And so I achieved that at a pretty early age. But then as it turned out, my life took a lot of different twists and turns, and I ended up here outside Philadelphia working at really, I think, the best firm in the financial services industry, and certainly by almost any definition, the most successful firm. So I think there are certain keys to being successful. I do think sometimes you get a lucky break, and you know a lot of people get lucky breaks here and there, but I think you have to be able to recognize that it's your break and you have to be well positioned to take advantage of it. Not everybody does. I was fortunate and I got my lucky break and I took advantage of it. But I think working hard, I'm old fashioned. Mm -hmm. I think there's no replacement for good old hard work. Uh, I don't think you can achieve everything just by working hard, but I think working hard is, is key for many people to be successful. I also think that you've got to have a philosophy of of work hard but have some fun. And I think at Vanguard, and, and before Vanguard, I always try to work hard, but remembering that, you know, got to have a little fun along the way. Sure. You can't sure. just be all work all the time. Mm-hmm. And I also think probably you have to recognize that you got to have some balance in your life. I've not always been great about that. Sometimes work has dominated my life. Again, I've been very fortunate. I've had such a supportive wife. I've got two wonderful boys. They're now 30 and 27, but they're still my boys. Mm -hmm. They've turned out remarkably well. I give all the credit to my wife. But family's important, and interest outside of of work, they're important. And I do think that by and large, you do need to work hard. You do need to have some fun along the way, but you got to try to keep some perspective and some balance in your life, and that helps. Mm Mm-hmm.
Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And the, you know, you would mention, there was a few things that I would, wanted to touch on, just the, the fact that you had mentioned that an opportunity had come to your way, but had you not been prepared for that opportunity, you would not been able to, to capitalize on it. So, you know, it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than to have the opportunity and not be prepared for it. Um, which there's definitely a lesson to be learned inside of that. And also you would mention how your life has taken crazy twists and turns. Um, one, notably that your son was in a horrific uh, bike accident years ago. And, you know, not to dive too deep into your personal life, but I know that that was something that was that was very hard for you guys. And so what is your advice for maybe maybe not something as as horrible as the the accident with Matt, but something some obstacles in life or some some things that they're going to have to deal with and and your advice for sort of getting through those and and keep pushing on to keep on track with what you want to do with your life. Well, let me just for a moment at least stop on the, on the Matt story because I want the listeners to understand that it was a truly horrific accident. There was no reason, no right really for Matt to have survived that accident. He was hit head face, as you know, Nick, mm-hmm. by a car at 40 miles per hour. He was on the UVA, University of Virginia triathlon team, and they were training in the uh, up in the mountains outside Charlottesville, Virginia, when the accident occurred, and he was essentially dead. And then we had a string of just miracles in a sense unfold including the car behind the automobile that hits matt uh there was a doctor an anesthesiologist who stopped and rushed over and uh got matt to breathe again and kept him alive until they could medevac back into the uva hospital uh and then again for the benefit of your listeners I'll, I'll not go into the details but we had a few days of not knowing and probably thinking that matt was not going to survive that accident but he did survive and he got out of the hospital, and he made a full recovery. And today he's a young resident, uh, just starting his second year, actually, of residency at the University of Virginia Hospital, working with the very same doctors who saved his life and rebuilt his face. Hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's a great story. Um, actually, they wrote a book, as you know, Nick, about mm-hmm. that story. And, and you know, I, I sometimes think, of course, I think it's a great story. It's my son that was involved. Sure. And it had such a wonderful, happy ending. But it's a story about inspiration and hope, and I think in some respects, Matt, what Matt did during that time of his life, you know, Matt had the determination and the will to say he was going to get through it and get get beyond it, and never really looked back and wondered, why me? You know, didn't dwell on what had happened, but really focused on looking forward and what he wanted to achieve in life, which was to become a surgeon, and now he's well on his way to doing that. So... Um, I think probably, you know, your listeners will appreciate the fact that it was a bad, terrible accident, but it's had a happy ending, and that will one day, I think, be a very, very good, great surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of basically, uh, you know, what's important, uh, I think important in life is, is focus and determination, uh, understanding. I believe that you always have to have an ethical framework you, you know, you never want to cut corners in a way which is in, inappropriate or improper. Uh, Vanguard, if, if there's anything we, we talk about at Vanguard, it's doing business the right way, doing what's right for the client, always. Mm-hmm. And I think, though, in life, that's what you've, you've got to sort of say, this is important to me, but I will only achieve this and be satisfied and feel like I've succeeded if I do it the right way. Sure. And so, you know, one of the golden rules, treat people the way you'd want to be treated. 
you know, ethically always conduct yourself in the highest ethical manner. You know, be fair with people, honest in your dealings with people. Uh, all these things, you know, sort of blend together along with that hard work and staying focused and having determination. And then sometimes, I guess, notwithstanding all of those things, you know, people are not able to achieve their goals and their dreams. And, and that's, you know, that's why life sometimes can be hard. But I think if you stay focused on what's important in your life, and it's not just what you achieve in the workplace, it's what you achieve as a person, uh, it's what you can achieve through your family, it's what you can achieve by helping others. There's a lot of ways to be successful and to make a difference in life. Uh, it's always nice if it all comes together and you're also successful in the workplace. But there are many people that can be successful that perhaps don't achieve their dreams and their successes in the workplace, but outside the workplace, you know, what they do is so admirable and, 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 and so just remarkable that, you know, people write stories about them as well. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to drill down a little bit um, about about staying focused and, you know, to really achieve what you what you want to achieve. Is there anything that you did specifically to keep yourself focused? Is there any daily routines that you have had either now or had in the past to really make sure that you were staying on course? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm one of these people. I'm, I'm very organized. Mm -hmm. So I'm one of these list people. I always, I always create my to-do list. And, you know, most days I don't go home with everything on my list taken care of, but I know where I've got to start the next day. Right. So for me, it's, it's just helpful to have sort of my to-do list, things that I really feel, and trying to prioritize and understanding that that list will change. You know, things come up in the course of a day, in the course of a week, and so sometimes you have to reprioritize your list. But that's been helpful for me just to sort of stay organized and stay focused and understand what I need to get done so I can move on to the next task. Mm -hmm. Now, do you, have, one of those. do you have a way of ranking these things or saying, okay, I have 18 things I need to do. What's the most important versus what's the least important? So I usually start with a list at the beginning of each week. Sometimes you know, later on the weekend, maybe I'll put together my list for the week. Mm -hmm. um, typically... During the course of that week, some things are going to get crossed off and some things are going to get added on. But I just sort of continue on that list. And then periodically, I sort of redo the list and reprioritize the list. Okay. So that's just my way of, of staying focused. You know, a lot in my life with a firm like a Vanguard, a lot of my life is dictated to me. There's meetings that are scheduled. Mm -hmm. I report directly to our chairman and CEO. So, you know, when he has a meeting, obviously he wants me there. I'm going to be there. So right. things come up, you know, your calendar in some respects gets filled out for you. Mm -hmm. But then we all have that time where we do have our own time, our downtime. For me, it tends to be, it tends to be in the evenings because during the days is filled with meetings. Mm -hmm. But during that downtime, I'm trying to think about what I need to do, how I want to stay focused, reprioritizing my list getting some things off the list. That's sure. sort of the way I approach it. Now, the, the great thing about this is you can take this approach and you could bring it to the drum set if you wanted to and say, okay, I'm going to work on, you know, I want to learn these 10 things and let's, let's take a chunk of that and divide it up and start in the beginning of the week. And okay, we're going to work on jazz and we're going to work on rock or we're going to work on this and slowly, you know, build up that list or whatever it is. If you have stuff around the house to do or anything like that. And I'm, 
admittedly used to not be a list guy and I didn't write things down. I didn't write my goals down. I didn't write, you know, my, my weekly to-do list down. And now that I do, I have a, a, a morning routine that I go through every morning, writing everything down, reviewing my goals, uh, and things like that. And I've, I'm a lot, a lot more productive than I used to be because if you don't have it planned, then you just sort of get pulled in every direction because you don't have anything concrete holding you there. Yeah, so you know, Nick, I, I'm not a musician, so in some respects, I, I can't really appreciate what you're describing, but in most respects, I can, because I don't think it is any different than any other profession, any other hobby or interest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think some people are just gifted. They, they, they're born with a talent that others could work as hard as they could possibly work and never have that talent. But I think most things in life, commitment and dedication and determination and practice and the routine of doing things over and over, you know, can help make you maybe perhaps not gifted, you know, as, as some people might be, but certainly make you so much better. And mm-hmm. I remember when, when Matt, my son Matt, was, was going into medical school and the doctors who had saved his life and, and worked with him down at the University of Virginia, he went to medical school at the University of Pennsylvania, but he had gone to undergraduate school at the University of Virginia, and they said to me once, Matt's going to be a wonderful surgeon, not because he's gifted and talented. He is, but that's not what's going to make him a wonderful surgeon. What's going to make him a wonderful surgeon is he has such determination, mm-hmm. and such dedication, and such commitment to become the best at what he can be. That's what will make him a great surgeon because surgery is practice and it's the routine of doing over and over and over again. Right. I mean, surgeons just aren't born naturally gifted surgeons. They have to learn and they have to practice that routine. Sure. Probably the same thing would apply to many musicians and drummers. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, it, it reminds me of a quote that I've quoted this before, but I, I remember watching a Will Smith interview and I don't think, you know, anyone can deny the success that he's had. And he said that the one thing that really separates him is his work ethic. And he said that, you know, talent you have naturally, but skill comes from hours and hours and hours of beating on your craft and, and really perfecting that. So if you take somebody like, like a Kobe Bryant or even, even yourself, there's undoubtedly people out there who have the same skill sets, but have not achieved the same success. And, and that's where the, the dedication and, you know, working hard, staying focused and all of that, comes into play. And I think that there's a, that, that's a mental game at that point. Would you agree with that? I, I absolutely agree. Look, I learned my work ethic at an early age. My father, uh, you know, I, I was raised in a very middle-class family. We never went without, we didn't really have extra. My mother was a uh, mother and a housewife through her life. My father was in retailing and he started as a clerk in the back room. And Basically, over the course of 42 years, he stayed with the same probably held retail chain in the, in the South. He worked his way up, so eventually he became a store manager and then a regional manager. But basically, it was his commitment to his job, being the best he could be, his work ethic. I saw it firsthand all through my childhood. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, when I look at myself and I think about, you know, where I have a certain pride and what I've been able to achieve... I think I can say pretty honestly that there aren't many that are going to outwork me. I'm going to work with people who are more talented and smarter, uh, 
everyone's more gifted, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But I, you can make up a lot with your commitment, your dedication, your determination, and your and your work ethic. Sure. And that's probably how I've achieved most of my successes. I'll just work as hard as anyone else and perhaps harder. Right. Coincidentally, that uh, a funny part of that interview that I just mentioned about Will Smith, he says about his work ethic, he said, if, if you and I get on a treadmill to get uh, next to each other, you're getting off first or I'm going to die. And, that's, <laughs> and he said, that's the, that's the long and the short of, of my work ethic. <laughs> Which I thought well, was pretty comical. That probably, that probably describes me a little bit too, because <laughs> right. I, like I said, not not many are going to outwork me. Right. Um, but I sometimes I think I've got to work it harder because I'm not as gifted as perhaps some others. But mm-hmm. but uh, I always when look, I've interviewed and hired a lot of people in my career, and oftentimes you're confronted with a, a slate of candidates, and typically speaking, you know when I see some candidates that are pretty much neck and neck, they're both very qualified. They can both do the job. If I sense in one a commitment to go that extra step, to work a little bit harder, you know, that's obviously where I'm going to put my bet. Mm -hmm. So, again, some people are gifted enough they don't have to work as hard. That's fine. More power to them. I'm not in that camp. So I really value work ethic, and I do value someone who's got that determination and that, that commitment and I, I use this word grit, which is a favorite word of mine, but I, I sometimes can see in people grit, which is just, it's hard to even define it, but you sort of know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a combination of all those things, the work ethic and the commitment and the determination ter- and, the, and the, the, the sort of dedication, you know, that they'll just get down and dirty if they have to, but they'll get that job done, and you can rely on them to deliver the results. Right, right, which is... The, the the entire concept of that and I love the word grit myself and just because it's you can apply it to anything whether it's you know I hate to keep using the same the same analogy but I, I need to lose 20 pounds well you know put some grit into it and really go get down and dirty and and watch what you're eating and go to the gym every day and, and bust your tail and you'll lose 20 pounds or whatever the case may be um, you know you can I'm not saying that you should work I'm not saying that you should just work hard. You have to work smart as well, but you got to have you got to have that drive and determination and that grit, as you said, behind everything that you're doing. Grit is a great word. the The subtitle of the book about my son was "A Journey of Grace and Grit," and awesome. I loved it. I loved the subtitle of the book because I, it really was a journey of grace and grit for him. You know, he was he certainly had grace. You know, someone was smiling or sitting on his shoulder to help him survive and recover the way that he did. But there was a lot of grit in terms of that just determination to get out of that hospital and get back with his life and do what it took to be able to achieve those goals. And I remember talking to Matt. They rebuilt his face, so for a while we couldn't talk. It was like we, he would write little notes to us, and we could talk to him, but he was all rebuilt, so he, couldn't, he was all wired shut. And he would send us notes, and everything was, as I said, focused on looking ahead and not dwelling on what had happened. Mm-hmm. And it was all about setting small goals. You know, he, he learned pretty quickly that if his goals were too big, it was too much disappointment. So in the situation he was in, there was a goal. He, he, had, to, uh, he had to consume a certain number of calories before they would let him out of the hospital because he had lost so much weight through all those surgeries. Mm-hmm. And so he had small goals about 
taking another few hundred calories every day. And some of the calories were being given to him, you know, intravenously, uh, but he had a small opening in his mouth where he could get a straw. And, you know, we, we kept building up what he was drinking and taking down so he could get that caloric intake up so he could add some weight to his body and get out of that hospital. And one of his goals just became go from 500 calories to 700 calories, 700 to 1,000. Mm-hmm. Just sort of so little goals. And that may be a key to people that are facing a difficult time in their life is try to set small goals which are achievable and then celebrate. Sure. Celebrate each one of those goals that you achieve. Mm-hmm. And now that's something that I stress to the audience a lot too, because one of the one of the hardest things as a drummer is to get in the practice room every single day. So then people, you know, they'll start on Monday morning. They say, "Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to practice three hours a day every single day. You know, I'm going to really hit it hard." Well, the, if you haven't practiced an hour in the last month and a half, chances are you're not going to be able to sustain practicing three hours a day. You know, Monday through Friday. So I say, just go into the practice room for five minutes. Just do five minutes. If you want to stay longer, you can, do, you can stay longer if you want to. Or if you, you need to go to the gym every day and you haven't been there in six months, then just drive to the gym and touch the handle. And, you know, if you want to go in, go in. But if not, at least you're creating the habit. And then maybe if you go a few days, then you celebrate your little victory and start tacking it on. But if you say, if you set out this huge goal, not that long-term goals aren't, aren't good, but you know, in the short term, you got to have some small bite-sized goals that you can really check off your list and, and get a good feeling about it to get that momentum moving forward. I, absolutely. I mean, and we're talking about everything in life. We're talking about, if you're trying to lose weight, you know, if you, if you think you, you want to lose 25 pounds, well, if you think you're going to do it all at once, you won't unless you're doing something that's not good for your body. Right. So set little manageable stages, you know, a pound a week or two pounds a week, and, and then when that's achieved, celebrate it and move on to the next little bite-sized bit of it. But right, right. I do think in life you've got to – you can't just sort of say you want to conquer the world. You've got to decide what it is that's important to you, set realistic goals, celebrate those goals when they're met until you eventually get, hopefully, to the goal that at the end of the, at the rainbow, that's what you were really striving for all along. Sure. I totally agree. Now, as, as you're coming up now on retirement, um, I'm sure that you have many fond memories of your career looking back. But if there's something that you, you could do differently or, or if that you – knowing what you know now, um, is there anything that maybe you would have done differently or thought about differently or approached differently in your career that you can sort of impart that wisdom to the listeners? Well, we all make mistakes. Sure. So. I don't think you're talking about the little things and, you know, hiring someone that perhaps the other person would have been a better hire. Um, you know, look, I, I, I take my, my life in, in bite sizes, I guess. I, I, I met my wife in, in the University of Virginia. We were both in college together. Uh, I went on to law school, and she put me through law school. We were married in law school, which was in and of itself a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, law school was tough enough without trying to work out of marriage, but you know sure. we got through all that. And then, you know, basically we decided to get our career started and uh, didn't really have children. For our, our oldest was born 11 years after we were married. Uh, probably many of our family members thought we weren't going to have children, but for us, we wanted to get started. We wanted to pay off school debt. We wanted to have careers that were starting to happen, and so that's the way we did it. I look back and then I think, you know, sometimes we would go to 
soccer games or t-ball games and we were older than the other parents and should we've had children earlier in life and you know now i'm going to be 64 at the end of this year and my oldest is 30 and my youngest is 27 and you know but that's just the way it worked for us and so i never sort of look back satchel page uh was a very famous pitcher uh, oh yeah in baseball and and satchel page is, is famous for saying you know never look back so I'm a big believer in thinking that once you've made that decision, you move ahead, you don't look back, you don't second guess, because you can drive yourself crazy doing that. Absolutely. But when I think about things in life, you know, I, in, my, in my law career, first I came out of law school and I clerked for a federal judge, and that was the best experience. It was a one-year experience, best experience I could possibly have had. Didn't make as much money as I would have made in private practice, but the judge taught me how to really think like a lawyer, how to, how to really think and write, which is very important in the legal world, mm-hmm. like a lawyer. He taught me so much in that year. And then I went into private practice, and I'd stayed for 14 years, and as I said, I became a partner and very successful. But I look back on those days, and, and I think about some things that I could have done differently, and I think about family events that I'd missed because I was working in a brief up until the last minute and things of that sort. And then I did the turnaround, and, you know, that was a period of my life where work completely dominated. But I had two small boys, uh, you know, hundreds of miles away, and I missed a whole lot of them growing up. I wouldn't do it differently if I were redoing it today because doing that helped me get to where I am today right. with Vanguard and the kind of position I have today. But there's a trade-off, and you've got to decide, if, is the trade-off worth it? For me, personally, it was worth it. But I gave up some things for that to happen. And then, you know, I came to Vanguard 19 years ago, and it seems like if you look at our trajectory in those 19 years, it's been straight up. It's been all about more assets under management, more funds, going to different countries around the world. You would think it's been straight up. What well, hasn't been straight up? Nothing is straight up. Right. There have been times we had the financial crisis when the, uh, the, the tech market burst in 2000, 2001. And like all firms, our assets went down fairly dramatically because the market went down. And then we had the financial crisis of 2008, early 2009, where the stock market here in the U.S. went down 50% in the course of six months. Mm -hmm. So obviously, everyone in our industry suffered, and the clients, the investors suffered. But what we did at Vanguard is we kept our focus. We kept thinking in terms of the long run. We kept understanding that we had to find ways to invest in our business, invest in the future of our business, even though we were going through some difficult times in the markets. And we came out of that that bad period of time even stronger as a company. And many of our competitors did things differently and came out not as strong, which worked to our advantage. But there are always going to be these times where you know, you've got to tighten the belt, or you've got to work a little bit harder, or you've got to make choices between two big strategic issues, and both make a lot of sense, but you've got to make that decision. So in a sense, I think it's, it's make your decision, and then satchel page, don't look back, and focus and, and be determined about getting the best possible result you can, whatever that is, for yourself personally, if you're trying to lose weight or become a better drummer, or for your company, if you're an executive at a financial firm like I've been for years. I think that's great advice. And as you mentioned, you, you know, as Satchel Page said, and, and as you try to live your life, that you don't look 
backwards, but you're always looking forward. So looking forward, what's the, what's the plan? You're, you're retiring in a couple of days and, uh, and what's the plan for the future? Well, I'm, I'm fortunate. I, um, I've been on the board of the Temple University Medical School for uh, 10, 12 years. Uh, it's a long story about how I got on the medical school board because I'm obviously not a doctor. But um, I've enjoyed it, and I'm going to stay on the Temple Medical School board. I've been asked to go onto the board of the University of Virginia Law School, which is also very nice because that's where I went to law school, and I have a high regard for the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. I'm going on the board of um, the National Trauma Society, the America Trauma Society, the National Board of the America Trauma Society, which is based in Washington, D.C., and that's a fallout from Matt and his accident Mm -hmm. and recovery and his story. Uh, But I think it'll be a nice way to give back. And then I'm very fortunate that uh, I will be staying on the board of Vanguard's um, funds that are domiciled in, in Ireland, so we have a number of funds that are Dublin-based, and I will stay in the board of those funds, which will give me a continuing connection to Vanguard, which is important to me because I have such a high regard for this company and, and all my colleagues here that it will be nice to be able to continue that connection. That's great, but it that's doesn't. What, to me, it doesn't that's sound like you're retiring. Well, that's what I've agreed to do thus far. <laughs> And I've, I've promised my wife that we will find time to spend more time together and do some traveling and, and uh, enjoy life as well. So I will, I'm not saying that'll be the end of what I'll do, but so far that's all I've agreed to do. Right. So, but pardon my ignorance, but how long, or what's the, what would you say the time commitment is for, for these boards, respectively? Well, I've committed to a, th- a three-year term mm-hmm. for the University of Virginia Law School. I've committed to a three-year term for the America Trauma Society. Temple, I've been on for a number of years, and, and I think probably if one day I decide I've done this long enough, uh, hopefully they would understand and thank me for the years that I've given them already. And the Irish boards for Vanguard, I also believe that's one of these where, uh, for now, I very much want to do that, but I've been on those boards since 1997 when we first started the funds. Oh, okay. So if I decide someday that maybe I've done that long enough, uh, I think Vanguard would, would be grateful and they would understand. So I've got some firm commitments for a couple of them, and others are a little bit more open-ended. I got you. Well, I, uh, I wish you all the, all the success for that and moving forward, and, and congratulations on, on your retirement. And I want to thank you and let you know that I appreciate you taking so much time to talk with me. I know you're busy. I know you're trying to pack up uh, your office and, and get out of there. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and congratulations on all your past success. And I wish you a ton of success in the future and happy retirement, Mike. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Nick. I really, I enjoyed this. Thank you. This for, was great. Uh, thank you. Your show. Okay? Absolutely. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too. All right, guys. There you have it. Mr. Mike Miller from Vanguard Investment Company. I hope that you got something out of that because I know I did. And I hope that you can take some of the nuggets that he had about success and apply them to your own life, whether it be in drumming or just in your personal life in general. And also, let me know if you like these kind of interviews because I got a lot of people that I have in mind that I would love to interview on this on, on the topic of success and goal setting and habit formation and all that stuff. And you know that's a passion of mine too, outside of drumming and trying to make them all work together. So shoot me an email, nick at drummersresource.com or shoot me a message on Twitter and just say, yep, 
I'm interested in those kinds of interviews, something like that. Check me out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash drummers resource on Instagram at drummers resource. And I'm on Twitter at drummers are source. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Peace.